Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Assalamualaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Hi everyone, welcome to the new episode, episode 6 of the Shah Harold Nightlife. And today we'll be discussing about a British filmmaker. Her name is Naila Edward who embraced Islam. But before we begin, I'd just like to share with you that Sister Risi is a bit late, so she'll be coming in shortly. If you're wondering where is our dear Saifur Rahman, he's currently celebrating the 4th of July. I don't know. His 4th of July is special for him. It's American Independence Day, but he's in Singapore. So he'll be back in the next episode. So without much further ado, let's invite Nyla Edwards, who will just give a brief introduction of herself, why is she British, and what were her past beliefs. Hi, Assalamualaikum. Waalaikumsalam warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Thank you so much for coming on to our live show. And we really are very honoured to have your presence here. So please share with us a brief introduction of yourself and your past beliefs. Sure, uh, I'm Nyla Edwards. I run the YouTube channel Victoria of Islam, which I've been running for eight years on and off now. And then during the week, I work for an Islamic TV channel, Islam channel, where I do producing and presenting and editing Islamic content for them and I've been doing the film industry since I was about 16 so about 16 years now alhamdulillah uh, various areas of it and before I came to Islam 10 Ramadans ago I was an atheist oh so you're an atheist uh, can you briefly tell us what is an atheist what do they really believe <laughs> yeah I, I believed there was no God so I believed we were here we die and then that's the end of it like, was okay. it pure atheism or were you more like agnostic no, I was like, there's no God. Like I used to tell my Muslim friends, like, you're insane. You believe in this man in the sky and like, it's all man-made religion. It was all written by men. Um, so I was like pure atheist. I did kind of like get into Buddhism for a little while before I became Muslim, but not so much like the reincarnation, but more like the moral values and like the love and harmony with everything, which I actually found a lot of parallels with Islam after I accepted it. MashaAllah. Oh, by the way, Sister Risi has uh, just come in on live. Assalamualaikum, Sister Rizi. And you brought your sister along. Alhamdulillah. So nice to see your sister also here to enjoy our stream. All right. So uh, I'll bring her back, Naila. Sorry. <laughs> yes. Fine. All right. So, okay. What is the British view of religion in general and Islam? How do they see Muslims and the idea of religion? I mean, I think that depends on the, on the Brit themselves, you know? Like, I come from a very atheist, agnostic family. Both of my parents are very scientific and uh, my mom is more of an agnostic, but my dad is a staunch atheist. They don't believe in God or religion or anything. And I wasn't raised in that way. But I've, I think there are quite a few Christian and Catholic, British, ethnically British people as well. So you can see parts of religion kind of intertwined into society and government, even though they keep religion and state quite separate. I mean, even Sundays are, are somewhat a sacred day here. Shops open late on on Sundays and um, I think if you want your employees to work on Sunday you have to actually pay them more because it's supposed to be like a religious day you know like Friday for us so I think it's still it's still here but I think more and more people are going towards atheism and agnostic kind of belief systems ah, I see so religion is kind of like a old school thing maybe for them they, they yeah don't... maybe the older generation more so but I mean statistically there was an article that came out in the papers a couple of years ago that was actually 
actually saying the majority of people converting to Islam in the UK are women like me, sort of single white females aged between, I think it was the age of like 25 and 30 or something. That's the majority of people converting to Islam these days, which is quite funny when you look at the rhetoric that they kind of try to portray Islam in that it oppresses women and, you know, it's a backwards, like, I don't know, like foreign religion or whatever. But the people who supposedly are free, you know, us white women are actually choosing to enter this religion, which makes people kind of question whether that's really true. And we actually had a situation just the other day, um, we were filming our second short film, which needed a non-Muslim to be part of it. And so we had this Italian girl, lovely girl come and spend the day with us. And the script is actually about a girl who's never met Muslims and um, goes to work with two Muslims in a new office and becomes very close with them and then becomes interested in Islam because of it. It's actually a true story. And um, so as she was she was going through the day with us, she was asking us so many questions about Islam, especially being Italian. I think religion is very important in the Italian culture, you know? And by the end of the day, um, when I drove her home, she was like, I really felt like I lived the script today because I'd never met a Muslim. I'd never hung out with Muslims. And I had these like ideas about Muslims, especially Muslim women, that you're oppressed and like that Islam hates you and like all these things. But like she saw us praying and, you know, she spent the day with us and she was like, it's so beautiful. You know, when you were praying, I could see like you you were glowing, you know, and it was so peaceful and, and you guys are so strong. And I like everything she thought she knew about Islam just kind of went out the window. And, you know, mashallah, it was an amazing chance to do some dawah without even having to recite any like verses from the Quran. Well, mashallah. When can we expect to see this film? Like where can we see? I was supposed to edit it this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> but I haven't. Um, so inshallah next week sometime once I get it edited and then my color grader puts the finishing touches on it. The first one that we did a couple of weeks ago is on Aisha Rosalie's YouTube channel. Um, and that's right. called A Sister's Dua. And that was that was our first film we, we did together. And alhamdulillah, it's done really well. I think it's got like over 13 or 14,000 views now. So oh, wow. With the way it's going so far. So we can see all these on the YouTube channel. The one yeah, these are on Aisha's. We've decided to release it on her because uh, she's a bit she's a bit more focused on her YouTube alhamdulillah she has like 140,000 subscribers I think so wow. we decided to like release on hers for these series but I have another series that we're going to film inshallah that will be released on mine which are going to be dawah films as well around hadith and Quran ayat so each story will kind of give a everyday life dramatization of the meaning of the hadith or the passage from the Quran inshallah oh that's beautiful yeah um, you know, by the way, both Rizi and I, we are both st film students. I studied at RMIT. Media is my major. And sure. uh, Rizi, Rizi is in Toronto. I think, uh, what's your uh, film school, Rizi? Do you want to share with her, maybe? I'm studying film in Ryerson University in Toronto. I'm in, I'm going to third year. Mashallah. Okay. May Allah make your work a benefit for the Ummah, inshallah. Inshallah. So before we go into film more, because I have a lot of questions about film, just wondering what were your misconceptions of Islam when you were an atheist you probably had some ideas or impression of what Muslims were are you okay to share with the viewers here what were your misconceptions I think maybe my views were more just about religion in general I don't think it was like specifically about Islam I didn't have any like specific prejudices about Islam um, I just thought all religions were made by men and written by men for men and I just thought it was all a bit ridiculous to be honest uh, I didn't I probably didn't know as much about Islam as I should 
good because the Muslims that I knew were not really practicing Muslims. They were like people that I'd met partying and stuff. So they weren't, you know, in Ramadan they were, but the rest of the time they weren't really embodying Islam, you know, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, so I think it was more just religion in general. I didn't really think like, oh, Islam is like extra bad or something. I was just like, they're all dumb. <laughs> Ah, I see, I see. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, I came to that stage as well. At one point after I studied philosophy and deconstructed my past beliefs, and then I really thought that, yeah, all these are just people trying to control people. And religion was the excuse to do yeah. it. So that was one of the reasons why I didn't want a religion to tell me who God was. But Alhamdulillah, Allah still managed to guide me. So now the big question, how did you come to Islam? How did Allah give you Hidayah? You know, I've been talking about this a lot recently because I'm kind of going through a similar situation again. So <laughs> um, I'm going to do long story short because it is quite a, a detailed story. But um, basically, I was living in Malaysia. I'd been there for probably like five years. And I moved into a new home. And, you know, you're from Southeast Asia. You know, like jinns and ghosts and stuff are like quite big, even culturally. And I learned even before Islam, they were quite integrated into the culture there. And uh, basically, I had what I would describe as a jinn in my house house um obviously i'll not be able to know for sure until i get to jenna inshallah and can ask <laughs> if it was um but i did think it was a jinn um after i started to study about islam so basically i'd i'd had things happening in my house over a number of months and then one night i came home i went to my room to get ready for bed and i'd seen the light on outside my door so i went outside to turn it off and i felt this feeling that i had had once before in my life when i was about 14 years old my brother's friend took us to find ghosts at the he was into like black magic and stuff and he took us in Canada to this place and uh, he was like doing stuff and then I felt this feeling and he just like looked at me and went you need to leave and I was like what do you mean I need to leave because like, I didn't say how I was feeling and he was like there's something here that doesn't like you leave now and I I was gone <laughs> like a second but this was the same feeling that i felt in my hallway that night and i recognized it immediately it's like a gripping feeling in your chest and so i like got so scared i didn't know what to do i just shut my bedroom door and locked it and as i turned around something hit my door so hard the whole door shook behind me and um my heart kind of fell out of my chest and in that moment my mind was totally clear and the only word that was in my head was Allah not God not Buddha not any of these things just Allah and against my sort of natural way of living which would not be to seek refuge in a God that I didn't believe in but because that was all I had in my head I said Allah if you exist save me so I went to bed thinking I wouldn't sleep it was raining outside and it reminds me of a, an, an ayat in the Quran that talks about you know I, I brought the rain to purify you and overcame you with sleep and that's exactly what happened I just went off to sleep so I woke up in the morning and I thought to myself like what happened last night I, I'm a very like logical person I kind of have to decipher things and so I thought about it and I couldn't explain it and so I sat there on the side of my bed and spoke to Allah for the first time you know and I said Allah if you were there last night thank you first of all and if you want me to be muslim it's gonna have
have to be you who guides me because nobody's been able to convince me since. And if this is the path you want, you know, show me that. And after that, I just felt so interested in Islam. My ex-boyfriend at the time was a pretty decent practicing Muslim, more than most of the people I knew. He prayed and he had a good knowledge of Islam. And I think that's why he was in my life at that time. And so I started asking him questions about Islam, like, why do you pray? What are you afraid of? I used to say my house felt so peaceful when he would pray in it. And then probably like three, four months later, I went to France for work and I got so drunk that I like couldn't work the next day. And I said to myself, I'm never drinking alcohol again. And I actually stopped that day. I never drank again. It didn't matter if I went to the club or anything. I was done. I was like, and this is six months before I even was convinced Islam is, is the truth. And then Ramadan was coming up and I was like, well, all my friends are Muslim in Ramadan. You know, it must be the time to be a Muslim, you know? So I said, I'm going to try because I'm the kind of person when I do something, I do it all or I don't do it at all. I'm very much like no or go, that's it. And so I said, if I can be a Muslim, if I can commit to this life, then I'll do it. But if I can't, I don't want to be the representation that I saw around me, you know, that I don't eat pork, but I drink alcohol every weekend. Like this isn't the kind of Muslim I wanted to be. So I, from the first day of Ramadan, I printed out how to pray. I got some hijabs. I fasted every day. I read a juz of the Quran every day and halfway through Ramadan. So yeah, I got like two weeks of prayers in the backlog. <laughs> <laughs> and um, it, I remember going into the surah, which is like the prayer room, right? In Bahasa, that's what we call it. And not knowing whether I need to do wudu before or if I could do wudu inside. Because I just I was, I was so new and I didn't have anyone guiding me except Allah, you know? And so halfway through Ramadan, um, I'd finished praying Isha one night at home. And I thought to myself, if I die tonight, I'm not going to go to heaven if I don't say my shahada. And so I googled by myself how do you say your shahada in English? And I said, I bear witness there is no God but Allah and I bear witness that Muhammad is his messenger. Wow. And the rest is history. <laughs> MashaAllah. Wow. And now it's nine years already. <laughs> yeah. And now I think I have a jinn in my house again. So I'm going to have to deal with this. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I don't know why they follow me. I'm actually curious. Okay, you said you were an atheist. So, do you study other religions as well? Yeah, I so did. I, I looked into. I always, I'm always very interested in people and like what makes them believe, what makes them act in the way that they do. So, I always was very interested in like understanding. I really didn't like Christianity and the fact that there's like a middleman between you. Like the priest is somehow more allowed to speak to God than you are. Like who gave him that authority because I didn't vote him in you know like it was it's like I didn't really like this I didn't like reincarnation from Buddhism didn't really understand Judaism like so I did like really like understand a lot of religions and have friends from many religions but um none of them ever struck me as the truth but Islam so right when the jinn came to you and the word Allah just came to your mind like uh, out of all the words and names and things that you can probably you know, like some people would just say oh my god help me god but the word Allah came to you instead yeah so i think like allah knows us better than we know ourselves right allah is closer to you than your jugular vein right that's how he describes himself and allah knows how stubborn i am and that a human being wasn't going to be able to do the dawah that i needed so i feel like allah knew that i needed that real mm -hmm. shock moment you know that real realization otherwise i wouldn't have gotten to where i needed to get so that's the only explanation. Allah knows best, but that's how I see my 
my journey. Yeah, so, beautiful. So you mentioned that before you became Muslim, you you became drunk. I actually have a similar story. And when I when I woke up, I was like, I'm never gonna drink again. But it sounds like Islam kind of solved problems for you. But I was also wondering after you reverted whether new challenges arose and how they compare to your previous challenges before Islam. Yeah, there are definitely different challenges for sure. I mean, before Islam, I was living a really crazy life. Um, my mom always says she thinks I'd be dead had I not become Muslim, you know, because and I, I don't doubt it, you know, the life I was living was not a good life. It was full of very, very bad things and not great people. And, you know, I, I have friends from those days who have died now, you know, so it's not an unrealistic reality. And what I realized I was doing drugs and alcohol to run away from pain. It was a numbing, it was a numbing thing. And Islam solved that for me without substance you know the substance is is iman and the substance is prayer you know all of these things really grounded me and gave me like a structure to my life to say like i have these five times a day that i'm going to speak with allah and that i'm going to be close to allah and i think the problems that i had before are more complicated than the problems i've had after you know afterwards it's been more like in malaysia like for instance i had white privilege okay let's let's face it like you know southeast asia they love like white girls and then they'll give us like the red carpet treatment sorry <laughs> you know it's same, same thing, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so like even small things like i used to be able to get a taxi so easy mm -hmm. and then after i became muslim put on the hijab i could get a taxi so easy from the malays who are the muslims but the chinese and the indians wouldn't stop as easily for me anyway i know it's like small things but you notice these things and um even in my work like i was valued as the white girl or whatever and you know put to the front like as this like piece like oh look we have our white girls here and then after that it was like because I wasn't working for a Muslim as well they started to like devalue me and it made me lose a lot of my confidence because I used to present a lot and then when I put on hijab I didn't really know who I was anymore you know with my new identity I really had to own that and so I think the problems that I've had afterwards I feel like they're superficial and I feel like as long as I stick to my religion and I don't sacrifice my deen for the dunya then Allah solves all my problems for me anyway you know we are all of us Muslims we have ups and downs you know I have low iman points where just getting up to pray can be actually a task and I have other times where it's just natural you know and these times are times that we need to use to get closer to Allah they're times that we need to look at as actual blessings because it's Allah testing us and making sure that our faith is strong and unbreakable so that when we when we do go through even harder times later on we can overcome them without our faith breaking you know and I, I say this every test is a chance to grow and in your iman this is this is the best time for you to grow is when tough times and I think this pandemic has been a big test on a lot of people and a lot of people's careers and shaitan might be coming and saying oh well you know you've got this haram job you know over here and then you'll be able to pay for this again and you know I'm sure there's all these sorts of was was and you know whispers coming to us in this time to just leave your deen a little bit and you'll make life easy for yourself but these are the times that you truly have to say to yourself i'm going to stick to allah i'm going to believe that allah will fix it if i sacrifice in his name and time and time again it's been proven in my life so if you don't do that in your own life make sure you go and do it inshallah beautiful message and inspiration sister oh this is so lovely tips. 
Yeah. What other challenges you have? Do you have to tell your parents or within your own friends? Did you tell them, oh, I'm going to be a Muslim? Were you afraid to tell them or you know, anything happened after you tell no, them? I don't really remember telling people, which is weird. Um, I don't mm. think there was any negative push. Like, like I said, my mom thinks I would have been dead. She actually thinks that Islam is the best thing that's ever happened to me. Yeah, I know. It's a very weird thing for a revert's family to say, but it actually brought us a lot closer. We were quite fractured when I was younger because of my behavior. I got kicked out of my house when I was 18. We had a very bad relationship. So Islam made me have to respect them. It made me have to put time and effort into our relationship and show them the respect that they deserve. And so it's actually improved a lot of my relationships. Obviously, like my clubbing friends and stuff, I don't really have them anymore. I've only kept my very close friends near me because I didn't want that influence. I didn't want that temptation into the jahiliya again. But I don't really feel like that's a loss, to be honest, because they were just superficial friends. They were just shallow friendships. You know, I'd rather have a few good people in my life than a bunch of not if you know what i mean yeah beautiful i, I was just gonna ask like do you remember how it felt for you when you first prayed like you know who guided you who taught you how to do your first salah the internet check google <laughs> Google. Yeah, I literally just prayed off uh, a piece of paper that I found online that had everything kind of I, I prayed in English for like the first, you know, couple of months of my life as I was actually kind of against learning Arabic just because I was like, Allah Lin understands the ants. Why can't he understand English? And I was really like, oh, Alhamdulillah, like I actually eventually learn Arabic. But yeah, I just I just printed it off and just looked at it while I prayed. Well, What's the, like the feeling you felt when when like that first happened? Because personally, for me, when I first prayed, I felt like almost like a spiritual high like getting up from sajda is like whoa like is this drugs just kidding but I know like it's just like the feeling of like connecting to Allah but I'm wondering how did it feel for you if you remember or the first few times or the beginning I honestly I don't think I can remember to be honest um I think it was just more it was just more like I'm just trying like to follow these things and it's such a foreign thing because I think in the beginning of that month I didn't really get Islam very much yet you know I hadn't read the Quran very much and I hadn't studied that much about Islam so I think at that time it was more just like um, getting into the the movements and like what I was saying and stuff so I'm not, I mean I don't remember anything specifically like being like oh that's amazing by the way, Sister Risi, what's your sister's name? We didn't get her name yet. Oh, I'm Michelle. Oh, hi, Michelle. By the way, if you have any questions, yeah, feel free Michelle. to ask. Um, why did you uh, convert? Why did you convert? Well, I I think, I mean, the short answer to that is I couldn't mm. deny the truth. After reading the Quran, after studying, I really couldn't deny the truth anymore. Yeah, I believe most of us were seeking for a meaning or purpose in life. And when we come to a point where it's undeniable and the answer is obvious, who God is, then we just accept it. Yeah. 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 Okay, now come to the film question. Because most of us, are, for film students, we are curious because I think the lifestyle of a film students very creative in that sense that we try different things so in the film industry when we write a script it can go towards what the mainstream media might probably want like you know sexualized stuff or things that are a bit out of the world so i'm just wondering as a muslim you being in the film industry how do you navigate through this whole thing and still remain successful in that career as a filmmaker yeah it's difficult it's a difficult life to choose 
Um, if I'm totally honest with you, I'm not not envying you. You will be asked a lot to sacrifice your beliefs for the job, and you'll have to stick a hard line, you know. Um, but I've had people who have said, you know, I'm not filming that; it goes against my beliefs, and they've had people stick up for them, you know. So it is possible, and I believe, like I said, as long as you don't sacrifice your deen and you believe in Allah and that Allah will make everything fine, as long as you stick to that, then it will. You know, I've had situations like. Even in Dubai, a Muslim country, as a hijabi in the film industry, it wasn't easy. People have this misconception or preconception of you that you are a certain way and you won't fit into the film industry. And you do have to fight for your place. And I remember being jobless, being homeless, and, you know, Shaitan coming and saying, hey, take off your hijab. You've got your Canadian passport. You're going to get such a good job. You're going to get paid so well. And seriously considering it, you know, I could just put my hijab back on after. And I said to myself, and to Allah, no, I believe Allah will do what's better for me as long as I stick to my beliefs. And subhanAllah, the next job interview I got, I got it because my name is Victoria and I wear a hijab. And he was so interested to know how this Victoria hijabi exists. And then when I met my boss and the other boss, I actually really clicked with them and they gave me the job. And through this job, I ended up working on Star Wars 7. So wow. yeah, like that's like reward if I ever did see it, right? So I feel like I couldn't have even made dua for that because Star Wars wasn't even filming at the time that that happened. That was the first of the new series, you know? And so I couldn't even um, have like made dua for that. And Allah, I feel like, I mean, Allah knows best, but I feel it was a reward in the end to actually get to do that. Wow, you're really hitting the hot buttons here because I'm really interested about Star Wars also. I'm just curious, if there's like a Muslim in space, where does he pray to? Like... <laughs> <laughs> I guess just towards Earth? I don't know, you know? I mean, that's a very good question. There are Malaysian astronauts, so that's a very good question, actually. If I find a sheikh, I'm going to ask him. <laughs> but I guess it's like, Please maybe do. it's like on the airplane, you know, because when you're on the airplane, you just kind of like do it however your seat is facing. So maybe it's similar. Mm, yeah, I think that's probably the same. Sorry, I'm just curious about Star Wars 7. Which part were you playing in Star Wars 7? Which part you contributed? Yeah, <laughs> I was, um, I did so if you remember the movie this is the movie where the new characters are introduced so in the early scene uh, probably the first or second scene when the two new characters meet for the first time on the desert planet the trading village I did the extras casting for that coordination so the, the crowds and everything we were the ones who casted for that oh so beautiful wow I wish I was part of that team as well because yeah I, watching I the sunset was... above the Millennium Falcon's nose on a wow. desert planet it was like <laughs> epic. <laughs> I think a lot of Star Wars fans, if they are tuned in today, they will really be asking you a lot of Star Wars questions after this. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you just stick to your dean. You ensure that it doesn't matter what people think. Keep your hijab on and just apply for the job and pray to Allah and left everything in his hands to help you with everything. I think that's the, the best ad advice you, you give. And yeah, I mean, even for myself in the past, you know, I mean, I used to work in the bank and the bank has dealings with interest. And so I didn't want to continue in that path that's why I also left 
the bank. Uh, actually, me and my wife, we left the bank for that's one of the reasons as well. So Alhamdulillah, Allah bless us with uh, a new job and career. So that's where we are today. Yeah, mashallah. I have a question in terms of, and I noticed generally, I haven't noticed it before, but recently more and more, I've come to know that like the entertainment industry is mm -hmm. a little bit like more, I don't know, like risque than other industries, you know, like especially if you think about like, music videos and, you know, what people like do like even like type of like gigs that are just contract type of things. Like if you're directing or something for like an artist, a singer or something, there's there's just like a lot of like what seems to me like as a film student, some like a certain level of unavoidable type of like, do you think there's like a type of certain level that you have to kind of like, you know, sacrifice your faith for to put it aside in order so you can kind of fit into the film industry? Like it's okay if I like shoot the scene with alcohol. It's okay if I direct this scene with like strippers or something like that. Like, do you ever feel like you have to compromise in that kind of sense? I would say no, don't ever compromise your beliefs for dunya. It's a slippery slope and you will end up doing things eventually that you will very much regret. So it's about taking jobs that are Islamically, you know, acceptable and turning down jobs and doing it for the sake of Allah so that Allah will replace it with better. So like even when I came here and I went to look for a job, there was so many jobs I couldn't take because like if I was doing TV commercials, for example, you know, here in the West, you guys know they're like so sexualized, there's so much alcohol. And so if I were to go into that, I would be forced to work on things that I would not agree with as a Muslim. And so I kind of started to look for jobs like daytime TV, game shows, and obviously Islamic TV channels. And because I did that, Alhamdulillah, I feel like Allah opened the door for me to work at Islam Channel, which is the biggest English Islamic TV station in, you know, even Europe, and it broadcasts around the world. So I think as long as you're doing it for the right reasons, as long as you're sacrificing and not giving up your beliefs for dunya, for money, Allah will always open a way, you know, and I think the Muslim media sector is growing rapidly with our generation, because finally, we've, you know, kind of gotten out of our parents mentality, especially, I mean, like, even as Asian parents, you guys, like, would understand that, you know, you're supposed to be a banker, a lawyer, a doctor, yeah. an engineer, right? Like, you're not like worth mentioning if you don't have that. But that was our parents generation. And our generation are much more creative. And therefore, there are more film funds coming out for Muslims, there are more Muslim focused stories coming out, you know, a lot of Muslims nowadays want to create halal entertainment. Yeah, so we're not talking about in your face dawah films, we're talking about clean entertainment, you know, where the women aren't showing a lot of skin, and there's no like drugs and alcohol and all these sorts of things, you know, and I think that you're coming into the industry in a great time, because there is because of the streaming wars, especially there's such high demand for international content, where there wasn't before. And so they're, they're fighting for content. And they know there's, you know, 1.7 billion Muslims who they want, you know, 599 or whatever a month from. And so they're going to look for stories that we want. And so creating content that we can watch with our parents and our children and not feel ashamed of what's on the screen. Ah. That makes a lot of sense because some of the best films, I guess, like are like, kind of like the ones that are most wholesome or, you know, you like a film, like at the end of the day, you like the film for it's like kind of like touching plot or it's like, you know, poignant storytelling and never because of like, oh, you know, there's a girl like wearing this or like, oh, because people are gambling and that's so fun or something like that. It's always for the story anyway. So I think like that's really good. Like if Islam has some more leverage onto like, the film industry, I honestly think like stories would be told better. <laughs> a lot of times instead of just slapping like a band-aid of like, yeah. um, you know, inappropriate like, entertainment. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's so true.
true. I mean, I actually edit Disney films for my daughter because I don't, I believe Disney is actually terrible for our children. I mean, Frozen is like the epitome of daddy issues. <laughs> So I've actually, like, I've actually cut out all the relationship and like kissing and stuff like in non-married couples and everything. So the point that my daughter knows when she watches the non-edited version, she's like, mom, they're kissing so much. And I'm like, no. <laughs> but yeah, when I delete all of this like empty nonsense, the movie still makes sense. It's still very entertaining. It's just not teaching my daughter that, you know, she needs to like trick a man into marrying her or something like that. Wow. Uh, you mean you actually downloaded the videos and edit them and show it to your daughter after? Wow. Yeah, I cut them. Like, for instance, Monsters, Inc., you know, I cut out his whole relationship with the Medusa snake hair lady. Doesn't do anything to the story. Still a very good movie. Wow. Yeah, that's... Talking about halal entertainment, right? What would you recommend to feature that is halal? I mean, like any... How, what should we produce as Muslims? Everything. Every genre. You know, like, we, we tend to go into, like arts thinking like even nasheed artists right they want to give you an alternative to what's already there whereas if you look at the nasheed rapper assam assam gets played more on his local radio station in san francisco than he does on muslim stations because we don't understand him and his philosophy is that i'm not trying to be an alternative to rap i'm trying to be the best in rap but using only acapella he wants to compete with the mainstream but in a halal way and if you like even when we were doing this Eid Nasheed show recently, I gave my colleague his uh, YouTube channel and said like, hey, check this out. And she went to his YouTube channel and went, where's his where's his Nasheeds? Like, where's his Islamic content? And I was like, dude, it's all like, you have to listen to the lyrics. You know, he throws in lines, mashallah, like you don't know ease, so you know heartache and things like, subhanAllah his words have like left my mind. But you know like he says things like, I once knew a man who sold his soul for a mountain of gold. I wonder if he knows now that he undersold. You know, like he uh -huh. Oh, throws wow. dawa into his lyrics and his rap and it's like it hits you all of a sudden you're like oh my god i wasn't expecting that <laughs> and this is how we should be in film you know we should make horror movies and we should make action movies and we should make maybe stay away from like romance because it's a bit hard to portray halal romance <laughs> you know yeah they tried i think in finding fatima and it didn't you know do very well so i mean comedies you know clean comedies uh, like like Omar Regan, a good friend of mine, he did American Sharia, where it was all halal and it was it was hilarious, you know. So whatever your whatever your passion is, make halal action movies, halal superheroes, or you know, whatever it is. Like just exceed your own expectations and the expectations of the community by stepping out of these like you know Muslimified sort of boundaries. You know, you don't need to show a guy praying for him to be an example of a good human human being and a Muslim, you know, you can just name him Muhammad or name him Ahmed and make him the hero of a movie. And already we're changing the narrative where mm. the Muslim in the film isn't terrorist number three, he's the hero. He's saving lives. And by doing that, people actually learn about cultures that they don't know through film, you know, cultures oh. they won't ever get to interact with. It, like they've used film for decades.
decades to change public perception. If you want to know who was the bad guy in the world at the time, just watch James Bond because they go through it. You know, the Russians are the baddies when the Russians were the baddies and they go through it. And, you know, nowadays we are the baddies. You know, the Muslims are always the bad guys in almost every single movie you see now because we have to be the boogeyman. And this is how they keep pushing the narrative that we are the enemy. We are evil. We want to hurt people, which obviously isn't true if you look at 99.9% of Muslims. So we need to show those 99.9%. You know, we just show the strong female Muslim character, you know, standing up for rights or whatever, but donning a hijab, you know, she's not oppressed. She is this amazing woman, you know, like Khadija, for example. So yeah, I would say do what you love, but just do it in a halal way. Yeah, well, that's very good advice, sister. And speaking of which, you know, like we can't portray our prophets or people or from the book with their faces. How do you go around that? If you want to tell a story that is in the Quran, I mean, the Quran has a lot of stories of the prophets and they're also beautiful stories. And we think that, you know, they should actually be shown to the world, not only through the Quran, but how would you, based on your expertise, would you do do this if, if you were to feature such a, a story on the Quran? It's not easy, right? But I think mm. if you watch the message, they did it very well. They actually just showed point of view of the prophet, peace be upon him. So like when he was entering Medina for the first time, they just they just had the camera sort of on top of a camel and it would have mm. been like his perspective. So that was a good oh. way to go about it. Um, some cartoons use like a glowing shadow or a figure or something. I mean, there's different ways. It's not easy, obviously, but you could always sort of tell stories from those stories, but using another yeah. character or something, you know, you could tell a story like it, like sort of what they did in Bilal, if you've seen the animated film, which yes, I absolutely love, made me like so proud of my sahabas when I watched that. Yeah. <laughs> and that was done to a very high standard. And they don't actually show Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him. They speak about him in sort of a vague way. And they say there's this man in Mecca who's doing all these amazing things. So there are sort of ways around it and just to not, yeah, not depict the prophets. Definitely let's like stay away from that, inshallah. 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 Yeah. I actually had yeah. a comment about the suggestion you made before, just what you said about doing what you love, just make it halal, right? But that goes even beyond the uh, film industry, I think, because, for example, uh, Habib, I mean, the way he portrayed his humbleness and he let his character shine through after he won the competition, I think really made a lot of people realize how refined Islam can make a person, right? So, yeah, I think it's really beautiful advice. You know, I'm not a film, I'm not involved in the film thing, so I'm trying to relate it to sports, which I'm more into right so yeah i think it's like super beautiful advice that's what i want yeah to everything you yeah. do if we put allah first and we do it like i always say make allah your business partner in whatever you do you know make him your first business partner and that way you're gonna do your work in a way that is honoring that and it, in whatever you do in your life you know to achieve it with allah's being pleased with it as your first goal and and that way you know you're not going to find yourself being pulled in in directions that you don't want to be pulled in inshallah yeah. Just a question on doing films in the future. Would you be okay if we collaborate one day? I'd be interested to join. <laughs> yeah. In making a film. Yeah. 
I'm so excited to see this, you know, I mean, I feel old when I say this, but the younger generation coming out now into the industry. I'm super excited to see what you guys will come up with. And you know, I'm always here, inshallah, to give any advice or whatever you guys wow. need my side, inshallah. Inshallah. Oh, beautiful. Um, the panelists, do you have any other questions for Sister Naila before we go to the comment section and see if any of our viewers have questions for her? Does Sister Michelle have questions? Oh, yeah. Um, Michelle, do you have any questions? Um, <laughs> was it harder to find a job after like you started wearing hijab? I think my jobs became very limited, yeah. So it was it was a challenge, but it was a challenge that I was willing to accept, alhamdulillah, and not sacrifice my beliefs because, you know, especially being a woman, we have to own our space differently, unfortunately, than men do. And even as a non-hijabi woman, I think that they you go into jobs and people have a certain expectation of you. I mean, they say, like, if you don't wear makeup and heels, you won't be taken seriously. I mean, like, how demeaning is that to women, honestly? And that's one thing I, I'm so proud of with my hijab is that I'm forcing people to look at my brain instead of my looks. I'm pushing them to have to see me as a human instead of an object. And so I walk into a room as a hijabi very, very proud now. And and I own it. And I won't let anybody tell me that I'm I'm lesser. It's their loss if they can't see past it. MashaAllah. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah, so nice. That good that yeah. <laughs> yeah? <laughs> Well, you have so so much faith and I mean, your iman is so strong. It's just beautiful hearing you say all this. So let's see what the, the viewers have questions for you. I'm, I'm just looking oh. through the, the comments. And guys, feel free to ask her questions, the panelists, while I look. Saifur Rahman yeah. has said, Salam, everyone have a good discussion. <laughs> At 4.32. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, we did, alhamdulillah. By the way, sister, I just want to ask if you know any surahs that you can recite that all pro give you protection since you say that you know, there might be some genes around still yeah. disturbing you. <laughs> yeah, I know um, you should recite like Surah Nas, you should recite Ayatul Kursi and play Surah Al-Baqarah in the house. I am doing all of this. I am just going to like seek a sheikh or an imam to come and just maybe deal with it. <laughs> oh. Well, I was told to go home and do the adhan in the corners of the house. So oh. yeah, I need to do that today. Ah, yeah, you do the, yeah, the I had to go see the three calls and do the Azan and the Surat Bakara. I think once you do all that, inshallah, you, you should go away. But, you know, these things, they are there also to challenge you. I guess it's a way to challenge you. Yeah, and it gives me an opportunity to seek refuge in Allah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's funny, but you say this this jinn is in, in Malaysia, but it followed you all the way to where you are now. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah. He seems like but the same kind of guy, so... <laughs> <laughs> Let's see, inshallah, what happens when I get the people to come and do my house. <laughs> oh, okay. Last question. This question. What arguments would you make with an atheist to invite and open his mind to Islam? So I took a course actually before from Brother Hamza Tortes, the um, Greek Cypriot revert. And, you know, they give the kind of that the universe had to have been created by something. Otherwise, the options are the universe created itself or the universe came out from nothing. And so you're either saying zero plus zero equals one or you're saying something that didn't exist 
existed to create itself. And so by that logic, the universe had to be created by something that wasn't created, by a being, by a power that wasn't created. So this is this is one of the arguments. I would suggest if you want to argue with atheists, which is always a <laughs> full-time job, um, that you do take a Dawa course from, you know, either Aira or Hamza Tortes, depending on what your kind of knowledge and intellect is. You know, Hamza Tortes, he's very, very intellectual and he's very deep. So he's so hard to kind of understand sometimes. But other people like in Aira and stuff, they have very good courses. So if you want to know sort of those more arguments that you can have to kind of show that Allah is one, that's kind of where you need to start anyway, is to convince them that there is a God and the God could only be one. Got a question here. They're asking if uh, will you still be involved in other Hollywood projects? Mm, no. <laughs> <laughs> For a few reasons. One, I am a single mother and Hollywood does not really give you the flexibility and time you need to be a mom without a support network. And secondly, um, I'm really enjoying Dawa. I'm really enjoying um, creating Islamic content. You know, studying Islam and getting paid for it is, is a dream come true. So I feel like this is where Allah has set me and I have a lot I want to say in this space so I think I will probably just stick to that I'm not really like into like the whole fame and glory of Hollywood and stuff it's not ever been my thing really so now um, mm. I'll I'll stick to the Islamic scene inshallah as long inshallah. as Allah lets you yeah I think the intention is very important like where we do things in life always remember the intention why we do it so you have a question here is there any difficulty wearing a hijab basically I think it's hot it's asking. hot <laughs> <laughs> Your ears start to hurt after like a full day of wearing a job. <laughs> I think in the UK, I, I don't face too much racism because I'm so obviously white. I get more like looks like, oh, you traitor. I've only ever had one Islamic attack, like Islamophobia attack in my life where I got called a beeping terrorist, which was fun. And then that was actually right before I filmed a scene about me being a Niqabi having an Islamophobic attack. So I think that was Allah getting me ready for my scenes so that I could really feel the emotions of the woman I was portraying. But I, no, I don't, I don't think so i feel like before i wore hijab i used to get looks like you know more like damn <laughs> and <laughs> I, to be honest i didn't enjoy it and then when i became muslim and i put on hijab it changed from that to like mashallah and i really love that feeling instead you know i love the respect that comes from it and the understanding from people who know what it's about so i would say in a in a scale the issues i face are nowhere near the benefits that i get from it mashallah <laughs> <laughs> I'm also saying much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, someone's asking a Star Wars question here. Maybe you can answer. There we go. Nyla Edwards, where's the location cabin. of the cabin? What cabin? There's no cabin in the scene I was in, but there's the desert was in the middle of Abu Dhabi Desert. That's where we filmed it. It was a secret location and it wasn't called Star Wars while we were filming. It was called Avco. So that's what all of our badges say, Avco. Oh. They never use the real name. They were like, but everybody knew when we did casting and when we got told about the job, they're like, it's a sci-fi film. We're like, Star Wars. <laughs> So it doesn't really work. But yeah, it was a secret location in the middle of the desert. It took us about 45 minutes to drive there. Mm. Oh, okay, I have a question here. What would be a story that you really want to tell on film? If you were given a chance right now, what would you want to put on film? I think maybe my story, my journey 
I've gone through quite a path to get where I am today. You know, I lived in Gaza, uh, I lived all over and maybe just telling the experiences that I've that I've come across and the stories of the people that I've come across and you know, the strength of the people that I've met who have strengthened my own Iman. I think that's the story that I'd like to tell. Mashallah. <laughs> <laughs> we, we are left with uh, last three minutes, guys. Sister Nyla is to get off because she got something on after this. Any last questions? Okay, advice. An advice to everyone, inspiring words or anything you want to share. What is our viewership mostly? Are they Muslims? I, I have no idea. They're a mix of Muslims, non-Muslims, all around the world. Well, if you're yeah. not a Muslim, become one. <laughs> <laughs> No. Yeah. Um, you know, if you're here to learn more about Islam, surround yourself with some good Muslims to do that. Go to the mosque and ask for a cup of tea and you'll get it and you'll get some good conversation. Don't judge Islam on Muslims. I definitely would never become Muslim if I had. Learn it for yourself and focus on the Quran. Focus on the Hadith before you go into sects and all these variations. The most important thing is to understand the Quran and the Sunnah because Allah told us to follow the Quran and listen to our Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him. And so I would say, leave all this other stuff to the side, especially the new Muslims. Get that foundation and then you'll be able to decide for yourself what the true path is. Allah gave us free will, Allah gave us a very logical brain and a brain that uses parables. That's why Allah wrote the Quran in the way that he did for us. He gives us examples. So you need to find your own examples within Islam. Try to relate it to your own life. Try to see the beauty of Allah's wisdom in your own life. And in the hardest of times, know that Allah would ignore you and forget you if he didn't love you and believe that you were strong enough to handle what you're going through, even when you feel like you're going to break sometimes. I've hit the lowest of lows in my life. I've gone through years of therapy therapy to try to climb back up again. As long as you hold on to that rope of Allah, at least with one thread, you're not lost. And as long as you feel guilty for the sins that you're committing, you have Iman. So don't ever think that it's too late to pull yourself back up again and get closer to Allah because he's literally just waiting. He's just waiting for you to take one step and he'll run towards you, inshallah. Beautiful. Very well said. Do you well, have any tips we... for like, younger like Muslim filmmakers or filmmakers around the world who want to pursue faith but also like want to pursue something that's creative do you have any tips for like those type of people i would say just make sure whatever you do that you're keeping allah first this life is temporary and it, you're not taking anything with you from here except your deeds so be creative show and express yourself but always bear in mind the limitations of islam don't get pulled into the western idea of what freedom is freedom is what you set the boundary and the level for yourself yeah so i'm free to choose and i choose islam and i choose the restrictions that Islam has given me because I trust Allah has given me the best set of rules. Islam is not a religion. It's a holistic way of life. So use that in everything that you do. Use it as your mark because once you lower that mark, you're insulting your own deen. So don't get tempted by like, you know, the Western idea of what freedom is. Express yourself in your own way. And that itself is beautiful and people will want to listen to that. MashaAllah. Okay. <laughs> there it <laughs> is. Okay, we really won't hold you back any longer. But I think they really want to know how you choose the name Nyla. There's like two people Pick asking your Islamic this. name based on how you want your religion to be. And so I looked at a bunch of names, did a poll amongst my friends, and I chose Naila, which means the one who succeeds. And that's Ma how I wanted my religion to be. Well, mashallah. Okay, <laughs> that's, uh, that's, that's beautiful, sister. And I really thank you so much for sharing your story, coming here. You're spending your time to inspire all of us. Pleasure. Inshallah. 
hope you can see you again in future topics if you have time and uh, we would like also Bye. to send you a lot of love and blessings may Allah Bye. bless you Alhamdulillah thank you sister and so everyone next week we'll be talking about the Quran the Hadith and the Mazhabs in Islam so see you next week thank you so much and Assalamualaikum Warahmatullahi Wabarakatuh Goodbye. Mm-hmm.